Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. And I want to share with you something that God has put on my heart. Um, This won't be a series. It's just something that I felt that I was to minister to you today. You know, I feel like God has a word for us every time we meet. I feel like God has a message for us. And um, while you're standing up to read Exodus 4, the first nine verses, I want to remind you about Wednesday night. We're finishing out in the next couple of weeks on what's in a name. And we're going to be talking this Wednesday night about Jehovah-Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. And it is good stuff. So don't miss Wednesday night if you can make it. What's happening here is better than anything on that tube. I promise you. Amen? All right. Now, I want to talk to you today on the subject, take your serpent by the tail. This is what God told Moses to do, and we're about to read about it. Take your serpent by the tail. Then Moses, Exodus 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And this is he saying in protest to God telling him to go set them free from Egypt. And he said, Lord, how are they going to believe me? I'm just a normal man. And here's what God says. What is that in your hand? He said, a rod. He's talking about a shepherd's crook or a a shepherd's staff, the rod that they would hurl towards a sheep if he started to stray. The shepherd's crook, they would put around the sheep's neck and draw them near. The rod they could hurl with great accuracy, and it would strike the sheep that began to stray, and he would turn and run back. He knew that it meant the shepherd was not happy. So he said, it's a rod in my hand. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran in terror from it. How many of you would have done that? A snake's bad enough. A rod turning into a snake. I'm running. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod again. And then God said that they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Now let's read further. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Now, this is an unnerving experience. We got a serpent coming at us in our hand becoming leprous. This is an unnerving experience. But it doesn't end there. Two more verses. Then it will be, if they don't believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be that if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. And the water which you take from the river will become blood 
on the dry land. Father, thank you for your word, and we pray you'll bless it to our hearts. Speak to us that we may have victory in our private lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this today. Kathy and I, last Sunday, were getting ready to leave uh, for church, and I said, I think I'm just going to leave my wallet at home. So no, I'll put it, I, no, I said to her later, then I said, no, I decided to go ahead and put it in your purse. And so we started to leave, and she looked in her purse, and there was my wallet. And she began to uh, say to me, well, let's don't take the whole wallet. There's some things in here we need, but we don't need the whole thing. And I said, well, what do you need? She opened it up and said, well, here's the money. And then she closed it and put it up. I said, that's all you want is the money? (laughs) And I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. I meant to say it last week. But it just goes to show you that money answers all things. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. So you just want my money. It was funny. It was a funny moment. Now, I want you to notice something. This is the call of Moses. Moses is being called in this chapter. God has appeared to him in the burning, fiery bush, the bush that was burning, but lo and behold, it was not consumed, which I've always taken as a picture of the heart that is touched by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God touches your heart, your heart will burn. You will have divine heartburn, but you don't have to take a Rolaids or anything else for it because it's a good burning. It burns, but it doesn't consume. That's the fire of God. It burns but it doesn't consume. It's a good fire. He's already seen this fire, and God has spoken to him out of this fire, out of the burning bush. And I believe God speaks to you and me out of burning hearts. God spoke to me out of my heart that got set on fire by the Holy Spirit, spoke to me out of that heart on fire for God. God speaks out of zeal. He speaks from the presence of zeal and fire and, and uh, uh, when God touches you with that divine passion. Now, here he is speaking to Moses, and he says, I want you to go deliver my people. Now, the first thing Moses did was look at his inadequacy. He looked at himself. He didn't look at the greatness of God. He looked at his inadequacy. I can't, who am I? So he says to him, who am I? How will they believe me? And so God comes to him and says, here's how they're going to believe you. It's not going to be the, you, Moses. It's going to be my power with you. It's going to be the manifestation of my power with you. Now, if you'll notice, in the first five verses that we just read, he gave Moses power over satanic forces. The serpent was always a picture of the devil, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But figuratively, he gave him power over satanic forces. In verses 6 through 8, he's given power over sickness. His hand is leprous, then his hand is healed. So here is power over sickness. Then in verse 9, power over natural creation. Moses, I'm going to empower you to turn water to blood. I'm going to empower you. My power is going to be with you to affect natural creation. So he has power over three things satanic powers, sickness, and natural creation. This is a heavy anointing he's being sent with into Egypt. 
But I want you today to focus particularly on verses 1 through 5. And I want to look at this whole issue of the rod and the serpent. And I want you to listen carefully to me because there is a message here for you and me in our own private lives. We're, We're either in victory or we're in defeat. These verses show us that before he could be the mighty deliverer of Egypt, Moses was going to have to first get victory over a much smaller opponent, a little serpent. Now, he's about to go into Egypt and face a Pharaoh who was cruel, who practiced slavery, who was like God in Egypt and in the whole world. This is the mightiest nation on earth. He's about to go face him, and I want you to notice he's running from a little snake on the ground. When the rod became a serpent, the Bible says Moses ran in terror from it, ran away from it. And the serpent, as I said already, always represents Satan. In the Bible, whenever you see the serpent, most of the time you see a picture of Satan. In the Garden of Eden, Satan approached Eve as a serpent, approached Eve first as a serpent. In Revelations 20, verse 2, it says he had that an angel laid hold of the dragon. This is the end of time, and Satan's about to be dealt with. That an angel laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So in the book of Genesis, the first book, you've got him as as a serpent. In the last book, Revelation, he appears as a serpent. So when this rod became a serpent, It was a picture of the enemy, a picture of the devil. And Moses fled from him. Moses wasn't just facing a stray reptile. Please understand, the rod became an embodiment of Satan, the devil in a snakeskin. And when he took it by the tail, it also foreshadowed the victory of Jesus over Satan in the wilderness. Because as Moses had to take a serpent by the tail, Jesus had to take the serpent by the tail in the wilderness. And there is a principle here. Why did Moses have to take the serpent by the tail? Why did God tell him, reach down and grab that serpent by the tail, which is the last place you want to grab a snake? If you're going to catch a snake, just for the record, you grab it by the head. But don't go out and try that today. But the last place you grab a serpent is by the tail. Because you're bit, friend. It's over with. If he's poisonous, he's got you. But God told him, I want you to grab it by the tail. This took courage. It took faith. It took some guts. But he did it. Why did Moses have to face the serpent and take him by the tail? And why did Jesus have to encounter the devil in the wilderness, and defeat him. Why? Why did God require this? Why did God want them to do this? I believe the Bible is full of pictures and types and shadows and messages on every page for you and me to apply by faith to our lives. And there is a principle here, and here is the principle. How many of you want to be used by God in the last days? You want your life to count. You want to shine. You want to see the glory of God. How many of you? Let me see again. I want to be sure I'm not talking to a dead church. All right, then. Here's the principle. 
Personal victory, personal victory precedes power with God. Private victory precedes public ministry. If you want to see the power of God manifested on your life, if you want to see God use you, if you want the anointing in your life to increase, you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to end up taking a serpent by the tail. There is something in your life, serpent-like, that God wants you to have victory over, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Private victory comes before public ministry. I can show it to you in the Bible. Moses had to get victory over the serpent in private. Nobody was there when that serpent was crawling around and God said, grab him by the tail. It was, it was Moses and God. This was intensely private. But he had to do that before he could face Pharaoh in public. Jesus defeated Satan in private and came out of the wilderness, the Bible says, in the power of God. He went in not having ever done one miracle, but he came out in the power of God and began to heal the sick and raise the dead and preach like no man ever preached. The Bible says clearly he came out in the power of God. We are told that David defeated the lion and the bear in private. And then he went and brought down Goliath in public. When nobody was looking, a lion attacked David's sheep and an anointing came on David. And he raced towards this Middle Eastern roaring lion, known for its ferocity, grabbed him by the jaw with his bare hands and slew him when nobody was looking but the angels of God and God himself. That's why when he faced Goliath, he turned and said to Saul, your servant has killed a lion and your servant has killed a bear with his bare hands. This uncircumcised Philistine ain't nothing. Are you hearing me, everybody? There is, a, there is a, a principle here that there comes a time when every one of us are going to have to take a serpent by the tail if we want to be used by God. And I'm not telling you you're going to have to go looking for it. Chances are you're already dealing with it. And God wants you to have victory. It may be a fear. That may be the serpent you've got to take by the tail. It may be a lust. It may be a habit. It may be an anger problem that whips you over and over again. You just blow your stack. You're going to have to take that serpent by the tail. It may be a money problem or a problem with money. Most money problems are there because of a problem with money. An emotional problem. Depression. It can be any one of a number of things, but there's a serpent attacking you, and you're going to have to take him by the tail because out yonder is a Goliath, and God's looking for people who have whipped the private serpents in their life so that they can receive a greater anointing, learn the anointing of God and how to use it, how to move in it, how to get victory. Because once you're free, you can set others free. Once you're liberated, you can become a liberator. Once you have been released, you can release others. But until then, come on, everybody. Whatever it is, and you probably know exactly what it is as I preach this, 
It's the serpent from which you flee. Moses fled from it. It's the serpent from which you flee. It's that thing that defeats you. It's that thing in your private life that you run from, that you're afraid of, that seems stronger than you and bigger than you and greater than you. It bites you. It taunts you. It intimidates you. It's that serpent that you know you battle with. And it takes you down. It brings you into failure. It brings you into defeat, frustration, and intimidation. Moses, the future deliverer of Egypt, we know him as the great lawgiver and the great deliverer, was standing off in the distance, afraid, scared to death of a little snake on the ground. And he's about to go out and deliver an entire nation. What a paradox. What a picture. What an unbelievable contrast. Here comes this mighty deliverer, but he's afraid of a little snake on the ground. Sitting there trembling before God, a snake. Now I've got a word for you today from God. God wants you to take your serpent by the tail. I'm going to say that again. This is a word from God. This is a one-timer. God put this on my heart this week. I believe this is a prophetic word to some of you. Some of you are sick and tired, sick to death, sick of running round and round with that serpent in your life. And God says, my will for you is that you take it by the tail, child of God. You can take it by the tail, child of God. God did not fill you with the Spirit, redeem you with His blood, call you by His name for you to be running from a little snake on the ground. There's a nation out there. i got to tell you, God is looking for overcomers today. And that's why you're in a battle. God's looking for overcomers, and that's why you're in a battle. Well, why do I have to be in a battle to overcome? Because overcomers have overcome something. If you haven't overcome anything, how can you call yourself an overcomer? Overcomers have overcome, past tense. Overcomers are overcoming, present tense. Overcomers will overcome, future tense. Overcomers have called to overcome, have been called to overcome. God is looking for overcomers. He is looking for those who in their private life, when nobody's looking but God and the angels, have learned to wield the anointing of God, the name of Jesus, the Word of God. They've learned how to exercise the authority that God has given them. And once you learn it privately, you've got something most Christians don't have. There's Christians everywhere, but there's not overcomers everywhere. Because overcomers have overcome something. They've taken their serpents by the tail and they've gained private victory. When this happens, you become a deliverer. And you begin to deliver other people because you can't give what you don't have. But you can give what you do have. Do you have the love of God in your heart? You can give it. Do you know that Jesus saves? You can give that. Are you redeemed by the blood? You can go minister that. Have you found God's word to be true? You can go minister that. Have you had the grace of God poured out on your life? Well, then go minister that. You can't give what you don't have, but you ought to give what you do have and quit looking at what you don't have and go give what you do have. And if you've gotten a serpent by the tail, that's how you learn the power of God. Now, some of you are saying this, why hadn't God taken this thing from my life? I've asked him to. Why won't he move? Why didn't he do something? (laughs) 
I've prayed, I've fasted, I've bound, I've loosed. I've named it, claimed it, blabbed it, grabbed it. It's still here. There are some things that will never go till you take it by the tail. And I'm talking about till you exercise your authority and God over it. You're going to have to get good and mad. You're going to have to get righteous mad. You're going to have to say, that's it. It's you or me, and it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I'm not going to be taken down by this any longer. You're going to have to learn to grab it by the tail. He's waiting for you to exercise your authority to use the truth he's given you. When I I got saved and spirit-filled, I was filled with the Spirit of God in a way that was just, just overwhelmed me. It just absolutely blew me away, overwhelmed me. And I literally had to pray, God, if you don't stop pouring out your spirit on this level, I'm going to die. God knew what I was headed for and the battles that I would experience, so he was giving me a whole lot up front. If God's really blessing you up front, you better put on your seatbelt because he knows what's coming. But I was zealous for ministry, zealous for reaching people. I, wanted, I witnessed everything that moved on the street. We stopped people on the street, asked them if they were saved. We witnessed to everything that moved and breathed or that didn't move or breathe. We witnessed Jesus. We're excited about Jesus, into Jesus. It was the Jesus movement. And then the enemy began to attack me in the arena of fear. And I had always had an issue with fear. I was raised in a worrying family. My dad was a master worrier, and I don't say that critically. I love him. He, he got a long ways later on in his life, but he was a master worrier. My, 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 uh, all my relatives in New York would worry with the best of them. They could worry about something. You couldn't figure out a way to worry about. If I told you to worry about it, you couldn't figure out how to, but they could, and they did it naturally. They're, the, the, the wick wire the wickwire arm genealogy was was just worriers all the way back worry 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 my dad was raised in the depression uh, it, with, with a bunch of siblings and they lived on potatoes twice a day and and for years and the, the dad had died his dad had died and they were raised by their mother so my dad just learned to worry about everything and he did and this and i found out i learned to react and respond to the adversities of life with worry just like him Worry is a learned response. It is not something you've got to do. You've learned. You've been around worriers enough that you've learned how to do it. Anger is a learned response. And so is worry. So is fear. And so I had this worry-fear issue. And the devil began to attack me. And I began to be subject to panic attacks. And I, I, I would just wake up with my heart pounding. And, and, and if you ask me, what are you worried about or what, what are you afraid of? I, I couldn't tell you. It was totally beneath. It was in the subconscious. It was here. And I, and I would have these, these panic attacks where I just thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. And this is the way that it was. And it tormented me. And I was afraid I was going to lose my mind and afraid that I was, I mean, these were irrational fears. But if you've ever dealt with anything like this, you know what I'm saying. It's like some of you deal with depression, and there's no reason for it. You can't put your finger on why you do, but you do. 
And that's another serpent that you've got to take by the tail. But one day I realized this worry and this fear are dominating my life. That is not the will of God. It was a serpent on the ground, and I was running from it. I was ducking and dodging it, trying to escape from it. I couldn't get the victory over it, and it was tormenting my life. And I'll never forget, one day I woke up, and I said, that's it. And something rose up inside of me. I had said, God, please take this out of me. Please deliver me from this. Please do something. And not anything happened. And finally, God said to me, why don't you do something about it? Well, what am I going to do about it? I put in your hand the word of God, and I put on your tongue my name. I want you to take what I've given you, and you get the victory over it. So I opened up the Bible, and I'm giving you a testimony today that is true. I opened up the Bible, and I began to memorize not verses, but chapters. I memorized Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I memorized the whole book of James. I memorized countless psalms. I began to bombard my mind and my subconscious with the Word of God. I learned that this is not a normal book. I learned this is not a normal word. I learned that these words are spirit-filled, supernatural, powerful in God. That's what I learned. And little did I know that God was helping me to take a serpent by the tail in my private life so that I could go out and see people set free in public ministry. And so day in and day out, I would go to Kathy. I'd say, okay, are you ready? I'm going to quote to you Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And she would listen as I started out with the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer and all the way through the end of chapter 7. She would say, you didn't miss a thing. I'd say, all right, now we go to the book of James. And for about a year, I memorized the Word of God. I found that the Word of God is something the devil can't stand against. I'm serious. I found that the Word of God. This word, not some book somebody wrote, this word was penned by the finger of God. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so I learned that as I memorized this word and renewed my mind and overwhelmed these fears and this worry habit with the word of God, one day I woke up and it occurred to me, I hadn't worried in a while. And I haven't had those panic attacks in a while. I said, Kathy, something's begun to happen to me. And I'm going to tell you something. I came out a different man because I went in full of fear, full of weary, worry, tormented, turned around. I mean, befuddled and, 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 and defeated by this. But when I came out, I came out having, uh, having had an experience with the power of God's word. He said, what is that Moses in your hand? I'm asking you today, church, what is that in your hand? What book are you holding in your hand? You say, well, it's just a Bible. No, it's not just a Bible. Moses said, it's just a rod. No, it wasn't just a rod. Well, this is just a book. No, it's not just a book. God said, in your hand, Moses, is a supernatural rod because I've made it so. And in your hand, church, is your shield, is your sword, is your truth, is your wisdom, is your guidance, is your soundness, is your wholeness in that word. I don't worship the word of God, but I worship the God of the word. Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. That's your rod, in my name, in my name. 
What is that on your tongue? What is that name on your tongue? Well, it's the name of Jesus. No, it's the name of Jesus. There's a difference. When you're being beat around and defeated by and befuddled by the devil, you learn that that name is not just some sweet name of a first century hippie who said good things about life and then died. But listen, that name is the name above every name given among men whereby you might be saved. It's above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth and the powers of hell. I didn't mean to preach this way, but I tell you, this is moving. I I meant to teach, but I got to preach this. Every time I tell myself, I'm going to get up there and cool down, be sophisticated, teach the Word of God, and don't sweat so bad so you're not all sweaty in the second service, I just can't do it. I can't do it because I know that I'm telling you a key to victory. God doesn't want you defeated by the serpents in your life. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall take up serpents. That's not talking about playing with rattlesnakes, as some churches have assumed. That's talking about defeating the enemy privately and then publicly. This is why God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? Moses did not know what he had. So God taught him in the crucible of his private life. And God is saying to some of you in the crucible of a private trial, what is that rod in your hand? What is that name on your tongue? Learn it. It says Moses fled from the serpent. God will lead you. I'm going to tell you now. God will lead you to face and conquer the very thing you think you can't overcome. Some flee from the serpents in their life. Some deny them and say they're not there. Others cave in and live with them. Well, this is just what God gave me. I just born under a bad sign. This is just something I'm going to have to live with. Well, maybe, maybe not. This was the one thing Moses didn't think he could deal with. He could not deal with taking a snake by the tail. As long as you're front, running from the enemy, you're in defeat. Somebody said, when you fail to master, what you fail to master in your life will eventually master you. And somebody else said, what you tolerate, you cannot change. I like that. And again, somebody said, you'll never conquer what you refuse to hate. And finally, somebody said, you'll never outgrow warfare. You don't outgrow warfare. You will simply learn to fight. So there there stood God's mighty deliverer, man of faith and power for the hour, quivering at a distance, defeated by a simple snake on the ground. Now, what made the difference in Moses' life? What brought him out of defeat and out of failure? What transformed him from the defeated one to the delivering one? The same thing that delivers us, the word of God. Listen to what God said to him. God said to him, reach out your hand, Moses, and take it by the tail. See, if God tells you you can beat it, you can beat it. If God tells you you can win, you can win. If he tells you you can succeed, you can succeed. I'm not taking anything by the tail unless I've got a word from God. If God gives me a word and tells me to do it, I'll take a building by the tail. 
I'll take a challenge by the tail. I'll take a serpent by the tail. Doesn't matter to me what it is. If God says take it by the tail, I'm going to take it by the tail. Because I know he's with me. And if he's with me, who can be against me? God was saying, in essence, I want you to conquer the thing you fear, the thing that defeats you, the area of failure in your life, that weak spot. I want you to experience victory there. Because when you've got victory over the serpents in your life, man, have you got a testimony. I want to show you that where you're weak, there I am strong. And that's exactly what Jesus told Paul concerning the thorn in the flesh. Lord, I don't know what to do about this. And notice, God didn't remove it, but God gave him another way to take the serpent by the tail in his attitude. Just because something doesn't disappear doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have victory over it. If he doesn't give you victory one way, he'll give you victory another way. It didn't leave Paul, but he got an attitudinal adjustment by the Holy Ghost, and via that route, he got the serpent by the tail anyway, because the serpent never intimidated him again, or took him down again, or defeated him again. Because he said, every time I deal with this serpent, I'm going to give God the glory, because he has shown me where I am weak, he is strong. Therefore, I'm going to glory in my weaknesses, for I want the power of Christ to rest on me. He had to set his jaw and say, today is the day, today's the day. Now is the hour I face this thing and conquer it in God's power. Hearing God's voice change his course. Can you say with me, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Here it is. Your faith is about as strong as you decide it's going to be. The more I read the Bible, the more I want to. The less I read it, the less I want to. The more I pray, the more I want to. The less I pray, the less I want to. The more I go to church, the more I want to go to church. The less I go to, the less I want to go to church. See, it's a matter of you taking the step towards what God wants you to have. But if you want your faith built up, it's right here. You can have it built up by the end of today. By sunset tonight, your faith can be twice as strong as it is right now by just feeding it with the Word of God. Moses rose up and said to himself something we should all say. I'm not going to allow a miserable little serpent to keep me from the call and the blessings and the purposes of God for my life. When he said that and stood on what God had said, he found out that what had been his weakness became his strength. Watch this. What had been his weakness became his strongest point. At the very place he'd been conquered, he became the conqueror. That serpent that had vexed him, frightened him, cowed him down, tormented him with fear, became the mighty scepter of deliverance in his hand. And with that rod, he transformed Egypt, brought it to its knees, delivered a million people from slavery, executed miracles, signs, and awesome judgments by the rod that had once been a serpent that terrified him. Do you believe that your place of weakness can become your greatest strength point? Yes, it does. You know how? When you take it by the tail. 
Amen. It was after he took the serpent by the tail that God put power into his hands. And God is speaking to his people today. And here's what I think he's saying. Face your adversary. Face your adversary. Don't run from him any longer. Take your serpent by the tail. Get victory over him. I want to free you from the constant cycle of spiritual failure. The word of God to you today, my dear struggling friend, is this. Take your serpent by the tail. The lust, the fear, the drug habit, the alcohol, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of condemnation or guilt. Take them by the tail. Say, that's it. In this area, I'm going to be strongest. Use the name and the word God has put in your hand. Learn and become well acquainted with the authority, the power, and the victory they can bring. Remember that private victory precedes public ministry and public manifestation of God's power. When Kathy and I were, um, when we were about to go do our first church, it was before I knew we were going to do one. I graduated from school, and I just knew that as soon as I walked across the stage with my degree from UNT, I was going to be launched to the world. And instead, I got launched into a painting business and hanging wallpaper. And that's another story in itself. I hung wallpaper in the 1980 uh, furnace where we had all that heat for so long, for such an unabated amount of time. And I hung wallpaper in little bitty... uh, uh, teeny um, like Fox and Jacob starter homes where there was no AC and it's like 110, 115 and above outside and it was so hot you would glue that wallpaper and run to get it to the wall before it dried <laughs> and so I hung wallpaper in the daytime and painted office complexes at night you know the college graduate <laughs> painting office ceilings at night nothing wrong with that it's just not what I had in mind for myself and I remember standing on top of this ladder and I'm painting this ceiling the devil's all over me where's your God yeah boy you got a vision don't you you thought you were going to preach the world look at you hot shot standing on top of this ladder painting a ceiling and I mean the voice just gonna find I suddenly realized man I'm being harassed in my brain I was in there all by myself and, and the devil was working me over. And I remember all of a sudden something just rose up from within. And I shouted this out. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, get off my back. <laughs> I mean, it came out of nowhere. I got down off that ladder. The anointing of God filled the room. And it wasn't but a few weeks before we got a call to go start our first church. But see, I had to take a serpent by the tail. And so will you. Can we stand together? Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. How many of you are dealing with a serpent in your private life? You know, it's not like it admitted something terrible. Come on. A bunch of you. Two-thirds of you. The rest of you, a serpent, a lion. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just having fun with you. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to pray for the precious people of God today. I want to pray, Lord, that you will help us to get victory, private victory, personal victory. 
Lord, we know that on the other side of that victory, there is always an increase in anointing, always an increase in the manifestation of the power of God, always an increase in doors that open. I want to pray for the people of God. Lord, help us, enable us, strengthen us to get victory over the serpents that really, Lord, are there to teach us to use the anointing. Not that you sent them, Lord, but you used them to teach us our authority. I pray, oh God, do it. And y'all pray. I just want to pray for some of you. Just get your eyes on Jesus. I want to pray for some of you. Let's worship, Steve. Thank you, Lord God, for victory over the serpents in our life, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.